Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. We could have gone anywhere to go improve the baseballs and boring last night. We could have gone anywhere. We could have gone to St. Petersburg to do another podcast on the Rays and why they're so good and why they're 10-0, and 0, why they're undefeated. We could go to Philadelphia to watch Matt Strom out of nowhere become a legit starting pitcher. Hopefully we're going to have Matt on the podcast sometime this week. But what we chose to do, what we chose to do is go to New York. We chose to go to City Field and we'll go back to the wild card game, the National League wild card game of last year, Mets Padres. Mets Padres. I mean, those are two teams when you identify two teams that you probably want to see match up when the year started, it's those two teams. So, that's what we did. We got on the baseball isn't boring van and we we took the baseball isn't boring road trip. And we moved the baseballs and boring studios to City Field. So there you go. We watched the Padres lose to the Mets five nothing in the reunion or the 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 revenge game, I guess, for the Mets for the National League Wild Card game. First of all, listen, the Padres may have lost the game, but they won the media notes. Here's what they said in the media notes before the game. This is the San Diego media notes said, let's reminisce, shall we? Tonight is the first time the Padres and Mets will face off since Buckle Showalter requested the umpires search Joe Musgrove's ears for illegal substances in the bottom of the sixth inning in Game 3 of the National League wildcard series. It was Musgrove's first career postseason start, tossing seven scoreless innings with one hit allowed and only two base runners. Blah, 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 blah. Remember that. He checked the ears. It was a big to-do. So 
They're not letting it go. Well, you know, good for the Padres media relations for having a little fun, for adding a little spiciness to it. But, but, but at the end of the day, the Mets won 5 nothing. Now, a big part of this was the two pitchers who were starting. Max Scherzer against Hugh Darvish. One of the notable things about these two is they're both semi-old, old in the sense of baseball players. Okay, so Darvish is 36, but he just signed a six-year extension. You have Max Scherzer, obviously 38, but going stronger than ever. We think had a bad couple starts, but but as we found out in this start, he still has a lot in the tank. We're going to hear from Max a little bit later. But so the, you have these two guys who I think are epitome of a conversation that we've had throughout the course of the season in terms of, of pitchers or really players playing older, playing to, to be older, and teams accepting this. We had Rich Hill on. I don't know if you know this. Rich Hill is the oldest pl- professional athlete in of the major four major sports. He came on, explained this, explained why these guys are playing, how this is happening. And so of all the storylines, there's a lot to pick through. But of all the storylines, this is one of the more interesting ones. You had two really, really good pitchers who are being accepted going into their 40s. Now, I know Darvish is only 36, but when I say accept to go into their 40s, he's going to be 42 by the time this contract runs out. So they're expecting him to do something as a 40-year-old. Now, Darvish's line, he went six and a third, gave up five runs, but that was a little deceiving. He really only gave it two runs. He sort of lost control in the, in, the se- in the seventh inning. So still a pretty good start after starting off the year with a good start. Scherzer, excellent, excellent, excellent. Five innings, one hit, no runs. The old Max Scherzer, absolutely. So, but we got a lot to get to in this podcast. I went around and talked to a lot of people, not only about the two pitchers, not only about the game, but I also talked to, along with A.J. Preller, the San Diego Padres GM, we talked about the acceptance, this conversation, the acceptance of older players. This is a guy, as we just said, who has signed players now who are all going to creep into their 40s, these long extensions, whether Machado or Bogarts or Darvish or whoever. So the acceptance of that, and he's a really, really interesting conversation. Uh, we give you Scherzer after the game just because it felt like you wanted, wanted to have listened to Max Scherzer after the game. Go back to re, uh, reunite with Brandon Nimmo, one of our favorite podcasts of spring training. Brandon Nimmo, the Mets outfielder. He is absolutely friend of the baseball isn't boring cause. Absolutely. So we catch up with him. He's great. You're going to want to listen to that conversation. And then we get a chance to talk to Nick Martinez, pitcher for the Padres. And this is a sort of a wide-ranging interview, but one of the things that we focus on is how this guy sort of went to Japan and then came back and changed. Changed mentality, changed his stuff. We talk about how he changed overall, which includes just taking an online class. I mean, I thought it was pretty interesting. So we got all that on the podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, listen, all of it. First, we're going to start out with A.J. Preller, Padres GM, talking about why players are more accepting or are being accepted more as 40-year-old, 40-somethings in their careers and how baseball teams are saying, oh, that's okay. If there's anybody to talk about this subject, it's this guy, A.J. Preller. So here you go. 
So, you know, Rich Hill comes on our podcast a lot, and obviously he's the oldest pitcher. But he's very. I think that he's had some really good points about why pitchers are being accepted as they get older more and more, and you've been in the industry a while. Have you seen sort of an evolution of the acceptance of that pitchers are going to pitch longer? I mean, I think for us, like, we, we look at it more, it's really on the individual, you know. So, I mean, I think, uh, you know, obviously, you know, like, historically, you know, they're, they're, they, you look at guys like Roger Clemens, you look at, you know, guys like Mike Messina winning 20 games at 40 years old, Tom Glavin, Maddox, you know, that had success at a later age. Recently, you know, got rid of Rich Hill or Scherzer and Verlander or Granke. I think it just really comes down to, like, you know, each individual guy. And I think if... You know, in general, like if, if you have really good makeup, good work ethic, um, you know, I think we look at other sports too, where you see, you know, I see Tom Brady play until he's later and some advances in technology. Um, but ultimately, you know, still uh, the aging curve and father time is, is always, always a, you know, it's a hard thing for, for any athlete to, uh, to, to be able to defeat. But when you have those special athletes, special pitchers, um, you know, especially in today, I think we feel like, yeah, some guys can pitch a little bit later. Do you have to start with the mentality? Do you have to start? I mean, I, there's a lot that goes, obviously, physical ability, you know, work ethic, obviously. But do you have to start with the mentality of the willingness of the having the guy, like you, some of the names that you mentioned, to do it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the guys we've seen that can do it, you know, you look at, like, whether it's Adam Wainwright in St. Louis and, and guys that are still going right now at 40-plus years old. Um, you know, I think the, the mental like the mental discipline, the mental makeup is probably just as important as the physical ability at that age. And, you know, I think the ones that are, are doing it at that age are really special. And it's probably a combination of both physical ability and, you know, and, and makeup. And uh, that's probably why they're able to, to do some, some things at, at ages that others aren't able to do. You mentioned Tom Brady. I mean, and I know it's a cliche to say, Oh well, Tom Brady, but it almost seems, and I know that Verlander had mentioned this about being sort of wanting to be the Tom Brady. But Tom Brady seems to have an impact on this sort of conversation throughout sports. Am I am I making too much of that? Is that too simplistic? I don't. I mean, I think again, like, I mean, like, just from a motivation standpoint, to see somebody at 45 years old, or you know, like, go out and perform or win a Super Bowl at 44 years old, like, I think he opens up people's, you know, uh, minds that like, yeah, it can be done, and you got to obviously take care. Of your body and be really disciplined in what you do but you know we have Nelson Cruz and Matt Carpenter and you Darvish that are you know uh, that are north of 35 years old and they're still doing it at a, you know at a high level and um, again those are all three like really special people though and I think probably similar to Tom Brady in that respect. The last thing is as you came up as you were coming up in front offices and, and in baseball could you imagine that it would be we'd be sitting here talking about all these names talking about so many pitchers and players playing as long as they have because again like you know when I was a kid it was oh my goodness he's 38 he's Yaz is 40 oh my you know could you imagine this have you seen that evolution yeah I mean again I think it's it's still like um, you know, I think a little, you know again things things change over over the course of time I think you know, like we've seen some guys that play I think part of it again is just learning more maybe being more open minded to the fact that it is possible if you take care of your body if you're able to adapt to the game um, you know I think again it's still more the exception than the end of the rule but um, I think we're seeing it more and more guys that are being, being successful you know the team of we're going to play tonight you know Scherzer and Verlander they've been you know two of the best pitchers in the league you know and, and, and up in, you know, as soon as recently as last season and they're you know everything you hear they're incredibly dedicated to their craft and when you see people that can do that, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think anything's possible, honestly. I ask everyone, why isn't baseball boring? <laughs> it's, 
it's there's no wrong answer there's no right answer there's no it's no is it do you have do you have a good reason why baseball isn't boring what if, what jumps to mind when i ask you that question baseball baseball isn't boring oh man, baseball's because baseball baseball's like pitch to pitch like you know i mean like you can feel really good whereas like most other sports you know you get on a roll or, or momentum you can kind of feel strange baseball you can feel great and then one pitch later all of a sudden you go down 2-0 in a count you know your team does and you're like that doesn't feel right you know and then next thing you know the game can change on, on the next pitch and then pitch later the game you know momentum shifts back so that's why to me playoff baseball is you know if you really know the game and see what's going on it's, it's the best it's literally you know 150 pitches where the momentum can shift at any time and the game can change at any point that's, so. that's a good answer that you nailed that so. all, right. Um, all right as we said Good stuff from AJ, but also, as we said, Max Scherzer, he showed that you know, he isn't done yet. And he he came out five innings, one hit, and a no-hitter through four. Uh, pitch count got way, way up there. That was the problem. He landed at 97 pitches. As you're going to hear, he's a little bit frustrated about that. But I did feel like you probably want to hear from Max after the game because he's, he's an insightful guy. This wasn't just me sitting down with him. This was the group setting. But I thought it would be good to throw in this Baseballs and Boring podcast today just because, once again, if we're talking about this day at City Field, probably the headliner was Max Scherzer. So here you go. Here's Scherzer after the game. I thought I was able to um, you know, avoid the, the big hit and I was able to um, sequence well enough and you know, I had all my off-speed pitches going. I thought every off-speed pitch really had good shape um, and was able to pitch well with that. And I felt like I had cases that just misses tonight. I was just missing with that fastball. You know, kind of got me in some bad counts and you know, allowed them to grind grind me apart. That's why my pitch count got high. You know, I wasn't able to control the count well with them. But, I mean, they're a good team. I mean, it, you make mistakes, they'll, they'll burn you. So, um, you know, knowing that... Uh, you know that that's kind of what happened when the pitch count got high, but you know, like you know, working with Nito there, and just found a way to continue to get out of innings and avoid a big inning. Talk about the shape of the secondary pitches. Buck mentioned specifically the changeup. Did that pitch feel particularly good today? Yeah, the changeup felt good, but all of them felt good. Um, you know, I was able to you know the curveball and the slider like they they had shape and break and was able to do what I, what I wanted to do with them and um, you know. Like I said, you know, able to attack the zone when I needed to and avoid the beginning. How do you feel you're coming along with what you talked about after the game in Milwaukee with uh, putting guys away at two strikes? Yeah, I thought it took a step in the right direction. Um, and I felt I did uh, self-diagnose that right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not broken. <laughs> I wasn't broken after the Milwaukee start. I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. I just had to fine-tune some things, uh, you know, as, as baseball. Sometimes, you know, the result, you, if you follow the results, you know, you, you can make yourself go crazy at times. Um you, know, you got to be able to reflect on what's actually happening and, and know where you're getting beat. Um, and I thought you know, I identified the right things to be able to do, and I made better pitches because of that. Max, were you happy with this start? I mean, I always want to say I want to go deeper. Uh, you know, it's tough to say you only want to pitch five innings. Uh, but, you know, they did a good job of grinding with me, but, you know, the team got to win. So anytime the team wins, I'm happy. When Nito came out in the first inning, were you trying to like run the pitch clock down? Is that what you were trying to do, or were you crossing? No, we, we we weren't on the same pitch. Uh, we you know we were cycling through pitches, and you know, it was coming off. And you know I stepped off. You know with a runner on base. Uh, you know I thought that just resets the clock. You know, you know he thought no matter what the you know, it just was confusion. And you know you know he came out there. I didn't think we needed to burn a mound. I just needed to call the bright pitch. But 
you know, that's just life in the big leagues in 2023. What would you have a case of adjust missing? Is that something you have to adjust at all in the next five days, or is that something that kind of takes care of itself? Yeah, you, you don't put too like you don't try to overcorrect for that. Uh, you know, yeah, there's times I was spraying a fastball a little bit, but there's also times where I'm hitting the spot. You know, I'm just missing by a couple inches, and so you rather miss a couple inches of where you're trying to intend to hit the target than let it leak back over the middle. So, uh, you know, you, you, over, you overcorrect here, you can, you know, run into some mistakes. So, you know, you're aware of it and see how it moves forward. When you, it sounds like you feel like you're close to where you want to be. Is that a fair assessment? Um, you know, I, I just know what I'm capable of. I know what I'm capable of when I pitch and locate uh, and, you know, Getting off in 2023, I think I can continue to get better and keep grinding and find midseason form. Um, you know, it's a challenge for everybody. Everybody's trying to find that midseason form right now. Uh, you know, when you're dealing with all the different elements and things that you're dealing with. Uh, you know, you're just trying to find midseason form. So it's whoever can do, do that fast enough. When you are trying to find things, how much do you enjoy? Uh, obviously, one of the better lineups in the league over there facing a team like that. That's you know going to give you a good litmus test of where you're at. Yeah, I mean they're 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 a great ball club. Not going to take anything away from them. And you know I respect everybody in their lineup, and you know they make you bring your A game. So when you go out there, you got to bring your A game, otherwise you lose. I think Next. you struck out most of your strikeouts were with your fastball. Was that just the sequencing? What do you think that was kind of a, a product of? Sequencing. Um, yeah, you can never put a finger on what pitch is going to be, but. You know, you, you work the sequence and then try to think think along with them and, you know, try to execute around that. Max, I think they had 25 foul balls against you. Uh, is that more challenging physically or mentally when, when they're fouling off pitch after pitch like that for five innings? Well, a little bit of both. Uh, you know, pitch counts higher. Um, you know, but that's when you got to dig down deep. I mean, that's where all your preparation comes in, you know, and all the training uh, to be in that situation. Uh, just you know, when you pitch counts sixty plus through three, the, no, you still got to finish this outing. Uh, you got to finish strong. You can't feel sorry for yourself or anything like this. You got to actually got to attack and almost dig down deeper. So, um, you know, been in that situation many times. Uh, would have liked to find a way to be able to get through six, uh, but you know, unfortunately, they grind me apart. You know, they kept following me off. Uh, they did a great great job of doing that. And, you know, that's what makes them a good team. How is the pitch clock feeling to you time-wise? Like, 15, aside from the sort of miscommunication you had later in the first, but just 15 seconds, 20 seconds, how's that feeling? No, it's fast. Um, the, the pit, the, where I actually lose track of the clock the most is actually the start of an IB, you know, when there was runner on base. Like, you just kind of, your natural rhythm of the game, you know, says you have more time, but that clock, man, that thing, I'm, I'm, the OO is the start to a bat. Um, that's where I feel like I struggle the most with the clock. Selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. All right. So after Scherzer talked, uh, I wanted to talk to our guy, Brandon Nimmo. And as we said, go back and listen to this podcast we did with Brandon uh, in spring training, talking about the rules, talking about what he expected. And he talked about how he was going to have to adjust to sliding feet first because he couldn't get his sliding pad on. And then a few days later, he tries sleep, f- sliding feet first and gets hurt. So I felt a little bit bad about that, but what are you, you know what are you going to do? And he talked a little bit about how he's evolved in terms of adjusting to these new rules. But he's just a great guy to talk to. And honestly, we said it before in spring training, one of our best conversations. So it was great to catch up for a brief time after the game with Brandon. Uh, so here you go. Here's the basically checking in with the conversation, checking in with Brandon Nemo about the conversation that we had before, where we are at, where a guy like this is at when it comes to adjusting to this new world of baseball. Always a good time with Nemo. Here you go. So, Brandon, it was just great catching up with you again, man. And um, it was one of my favorite conversations in spring training. I'm not even lying. Yeah, um, appreciate that. And we, and we, I promise you a T-shirt, and tomorrow you get the T-shirt. Perfect. Um, so, I, what I wanted to do is sort of revisit like uh-huh. a lot of stuff that we talked about. Yeah. When we talked in March, we were guessing a lot yeah. about what it, what baseball would look like. Yeah. So now, as we sit here, what does baseball look like? For well, you? I mean. <laughs> To be honest, I don't mind the getting done in three hours or less. Um, <laughs> you know, it keeps me um, off my feet longer. Uh, I will say uh, that it just requires a little bit better shape because uh, even for a guy like me, because you're still doing the same amount of running, but you're doing it in less time. Mm. So, um, you know, the miles that I cover in a day used to be spread out over three and a half, four hours. Now it's spread out between 215 to three. Did you anticipate that? No, I didn't anticipate that. So that was something that uh, um, I should have anticipated, but kind of got got forgotten about um, until we got into the season um and then you know i would say that you're seeing stolen bases happen more often um you're seeing uh you know more balls uh, ground balls getting through um and and so i think what you're seeing is you're seeing uh, contact being valued a little bit more uh, speed being valued a little bit more um and then you're seeing the game just move at a faster pace uh, i don't think fans can really like get on their phones during the middle of an inning like things are happening very very quickly Mm. and so um you know i think you're seeing players adjust to that um 
some easier than others, but, um, you know, I think it's good. I really do. Uh, I think it's good for the TV schedule. I think it's good for, for the players. And uh, once they get used to it, obviously some are probably, you know, not ever, not, not ever really going to like it very much, but um, it, it isn't half bad being, being done in three hours. Mm. And one of the things, you know, little things like we were talking about getting the, the gear off and, and everything yes. else. So, yeah, you, adjust, you had you, to adjust to that, that where, like, yeah. I keep a few things in my pocket now. Yeah. Um, I don't go into the dugout when I'm leading off an inning. Um, we've actually hired a full-time bat boy so that he knows our stuff um, and has it and that's prepared. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Used to kind of be a rotating door a little bit, like whoever was capable, whoever was doing it. Uh, you also on the road would use whoever was there. Now we try with our bad boy because he needs to know our stuff he needs to be able to get it to us quickly um, and you know he needs to have it waiting for us if we're leading off an inning so um, some of that stuff has changed um, and um, you know uh, I think it's I think like I said I don't I don't mind it uh, it's just that the game is moving at a faster pace the in terms of the um when I think I talked to you, I felt like it was like hitters were frenetic, right? Mm-hmm. They were like, yeah, I gotta get in the box. Yeah. Right. yeah. Do, does it feel like. Still feels like that sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sometimes uh, when I foul a ball off, I, I know I'm supposed to get uh, more like more time to regather myself, mm-hmm. but uh, depending on the, who's working the clock, it doesn't always work that way. And, you know, the umpires are really being very, you know, um, uh, I would say stingy uh, towards the clock right. and like whatever it says like you, you need to be ready and so uh, a few times I've had to like step in the box for pretty quick and be like okay uh, you know I got to get in there mm-hmm. um, so it's still it's still moving at a pretty good pace but um, that way for the pitcher as well um, so uh, still still more to get used to um, and, and try and get still get used to the pace but um, but I think you know overall for the most part I, I haven't noticed too too much of a difference. It's the guys like I mean you know I think you see Soto has a, has a big problem with it mm-hmm. um, because he wants to control more of more of the tempo and everything. Um, I never really called too much time or anything like that mm-hmm. um, before, and so it hasn't affected me too much other than just a few times when I foul a ball off and I'm thinking okay how do I want to approach this next pitch and then I'm like oh it's 10 seconds I need to get in the box you know so a um, few of those times uh, you know it's happened but uh, I think I think guys will get used to it well like you can get home and you'll be able to sleep tonight <laughs> knowing that you got a t-shirt coming tomorrow. perfect I don't know I'm excited all about right, it all right, all right thank you my man. pleasure thank you okay picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road with available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, as you heard, I mean, we could talk to Nimmo all day long. and We'll talk to him again. But lastly, a guy that I really hadn't met at all, Nick Martinez. But it's a really, really interesting story. Interesting story in terms of how this is a, the epitome of a guy who you know, is finding his way, goes to Japan, figures some stuff out, and, by the way, takes it upon himself to learn other things, not only in Japan, but as you're going to hear, on his computer. There has to be some credit given to these people 
these pitchers, these players who take it upon themselves to find a way to get better, whatever that way is. And Nick Martinez is the epitome of that. And in this conversation, we also talk about the adjustments that that Japanese hitters might have to make when it comes to coming to the major leagues, such as Masayoshi to the Red Sox, um, you know, Seiya Suzuki with the Cubs last year. So he is a great guy to talk to. Again, very personable. Great to talk to him. Now, absolutely friend of the, the baseballs and boring brand. We they keep on coming. It's been a great trip over to City Field. It was a great day. It was a great night. It was a great scene, the whole deal. Now we're going to keep it going all week long. We got some things lined up this week. We're not stopping, not at all. We had the great podcast to lead off the, the week when the then 9 and talking about then 9 and 0 Rays, now 10 and 0 Rays. So then we have this podcast. Now we're going to have. You aren't going to believe the ones we have coming up. And, of course, we punctuate every week with Betting Isn't Boring with our expert, Jonathan Papelbon. But I just want to thank everybody. Thank you, subscribing, rating, reviewing, listening. At BB Isn't Boring, the book, uh, Damn Near Perfect Game, the whole ball of wax. So here you go. Here's Nick Martinez. You went from the extreme of, of, well, you obviously know what it's like to pitch in the major leagues, mm-hmm. but then you go to another world, and we can talk a little bit about the differences of that, but then now, even if a couple of years ago, this world is different than a couple of years ago. Sure, sure. So what is, the, what is the thing that, for you, as we sit here right now, is the biggest, feels different, perhaps more than anything? Uh, there's more on the line, I think, now. Um, but I'm having more fun doing it. Okay, um, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always a good thing when you're having fun when, when you when you doing what you love doing. So, um, it, in the past, um, I, not to say I didn't have fun in Japan. I had a great time in Japan. I was also you know finding out more about myself as a pitcher and, and as a person, and um, you know coming back knowing who I am um, as both a person and a player. Um, I have more fun doing it. Mm. Even though there's more pressure, more more on the line, mm-hmm. and uh, and being a part of this great team, you know, makes it that much more fun. All right, now I'm fascinated by. Look, there's a lot to pick through here. Where okay, so when you talk about now, you're having more fun doing it. What is the thing? What was the thing that made you feel like? Was there like just the appreciation for being here and going through? You know, the challenges you. Have? What makes it more fun? I think finding out. You know, my time being in Japan and learning about myself and, and really, you know, doing a deep dive into into what I need to work on and, and finding out who I am, and then uh, and then getting the opportunity to come here and, and and like you know have that affirmation that hey, this freaking works. You know, it, it worked in Japan when I figured it out, and then obviously coming back. You know, my first year here last year. Um, you know, I, I, I'm very confident. I was very confident coming into last year mm. that my stuff would work, but then having it actually, you know, see it play out is another thing. And mm. and then put that together with a, you know, signing with a team that wants to win a World Series. And that's your, always good. Yeah. 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 Your priorities seem to change. You know, when that happens. My first few years in Japan, I was trying to come back on any kind of deal. Um, you know, I wanted to be back in the states, closer to my family, and. And then, um, you know, as I got better at my craft, I, I, I started getting a little bit pickier in um, where I wanted to play. And then that last year in Japan, after putting it all together um, and being on a, you know, we didn't make the playoffs in, 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 on that team in Japan, but that's a, that was a very winning 
mentality. You like the you like the, the idea of winning. Like, yeah, that yeah, was the, the yeah. there there was high expectations for the last team that I was on, and yeah, I liked being a part of that. And then you know I was in the Olympics and and, and getting to the gold medal game. You know, having experienced that, you know the the the. The search for, for being a champion is, is a lot of fun, and so um, when it came down to my choices, a team that wants to win a World Series was at the top of the list, and so I, I feel like I found a home here. So when you had that sort of, I don't know if there's a moment that got that person who, who got to you, maybe in Japan, about like you talked about figuring out what you needed to do, what you need to change. Was there a singular moment? Was there a singular thing? And not to say it was a be-all, end-all, but was there one notable part of a piece of the equation i think um during the quarantine um learning about pitch design was ba- ba- maybe the one thing that kind of took me to the next level mm-hmm. but it was accumulation of you know everything that led up to that moment um you know going to driveline working with um, casey at, at kinetic pro baseball in tampa um learning about biomechanics learning about analytics each year kind of putting something together you know towards that and then um the cherry on the top was taking a pitch design course and then really yeah and then like oh this is that a really course is that a course it's a real course like yeah. you sit at desks and things or it was online at okay Dropline but still i mean yeah, yeah. yeah so then i started i took the course when we were quarantined and um i was like okay this all this stuff makes a lot of sense and how do my pitches line up with with what they're teaching and i was able to kind of see that there was a glaring problem with you know my change up and then um, I fixed it pretty quickly, and and it, and it brought me all the way back to the states. Really? Yeah. So do you, so like we talk about that course. That seemed like something. Like first of all, like it's hard for me to sit in front of a computer and learn anything, right? Uh, you would find this kind of fun though. It's, you can get it on can, at Driveline. I can sign up for it. Yeah, yeah. They oh, offer it to right. everyone at right, Driveline, and it's right. kind of cool to to learn. You know, you know what to look for when you're trying to trying to make a new pitch or, mm. or add a pitch to your arsenal um, you know kind of different exercises to help you achieve mm. you know that desired spin to make the ball move whichever location you want it to move mm. or whatever direction you want it to move so um, it, it, it kind of opens your eye like man there's there's a lot of there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to, to kind of get better and it's everyone's unique and so um, it, it kind of reignited the passion that I had for that I had for baseball. And when was this? When did, again, just 2020. So during the quarantine. Yeah. So you didn't talk about making the most of. Yeah, I was, I was, yeah. And then we were running our like individual practices and I would just spend all day trying to, you know, tweak little things here and there. And so I found the the right group for all my pitches. And the changeup was the biggest thing that you said. Yeah. You know, I had a good four seam, a good, good curveball. I made my curveball better through that. And then, um, uh, made my cutter a little bit better. And then, the, but the, the biggest one was a changeup. Was like, hey, this is too similar to your fastball. You know, find a grip that, you know, as close as you can to the direction that they're talking about. And then I, I've started messing with it. And obviously, being in Japan, the split fingers are very popular pitch yeah. there. So I tried that for a while, it didn't work. And then I was like, well, let me just see if I can throw a split with these two fingers instead. And that's how my changeup really. Was born. Yeah. So I should know this, but so how? Do, so it's a combination of like a split and a changeup. Yeah. My, split. So, so I split it with these two fingers. Cool. So the the, the ring finger and the middle finger. finger yeah. I throw. That Does thing. anyone else throw it like that? 
I think Eric Gagne threw him like that. Did he really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. But this is sort of trial and error, like you said. Take the this class, was, yeah. then you go to Japan. The sp- you get like split fingers, a huge, huge thing. Right. And then you're like, okay, this works. Yeah. And then like, like, all right, let's, <laughs> let's put it to the test. And then I, it, I saw instant results, and then it made my other stuff better. Yeah, yeah. Because guys started looking for that or swinging misses that and having to respect that, and then made my fastball better, my curveball better. So. Uh, that was probably the one moment, the defining moment in my arsenal. Yeah. I love, I love this. I love like, like I we just had pitching ninja on the other day. Oh, cool. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like yeah, you yeah. know the invention of pitches, the evolution of pitches, and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is probably seems like something that you're into too. I love it. We talk yeah. all the time about uh, you know different pitches. That, you know, I talked to Darvish, who's a wizard at you know making the ball spin in whichever way he wants it to spin. In. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so uh, you know, it's very fascinating to talk about trying to create different. Shapes. You look at Senga's ghost fork. Yeah, yeah, I played with Senga. My last oh, okay, year. all right. So you're familiar with. Yeah, yeah. So it's nothing. I mean, did you learn anything from him at all? I tried. I tried the split, but again, I couldn't get my fingers to. to yeah. I just can't with these two. Fingers. Those two fingers, but the other but fingers. the other fingers work just fine. Okay, so it's kind of like the same action as a splitter, yeah, yeah. but just the, and then you get the velocity difference, like a changeup. So it's kind of like a hybrid of a. That's how I like to think of it. When <laughs> I've watched a lot of Yoshida um, this year, yeah, um, you do must have pitched against, him. against him a lot. yeah yeah um so it's interesting to like the approaches and obviously he's a hitter you're a pitcher but for you what's uh, for a guy coming over from united from japan to the united states a hitter mm. like what is the biggest adjustment from the hitter's perspective do you think because you have the yeah every night you're facing like uh, one of the best pitchers in the world so here here yeah yeah so like you know, in Japan, they definitely have, as you guys saw in the WBC, they, they definitely have their fair share of great arms. But, um, in that, you know, every team has that team here in the States, right? Like every team in the States has, you know, that very dominating pitcher, mm-hmm. um, the starter and reliever. So um, they, they, because the consistent velocity, you know, the higher velocity um, more consistently um, is, is going to be a hard adjustment. Um but then on the flip side of that, you know, the zone over there in Japan is a little bit different from here. So I think it'll favor him here a little bit more than it did over there. Okay. Um, and then, but I think, like, the movement, the, 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 the overall movement in different pitches for him, mm. there, there's more of a spectrum here of, right. of pitches. So, like, in other words, okay, you know, you have to... You have to be disciplined in the high fastball. You have to be disciplined, you know, obviously. Right, and you gotta be, you got to be disciplined on basically every direction on the right. compass. And, Just a little and, bit. You have to be a little bit more disciplined because it's, the movement's a little bit more. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. And, and in more direction. In more in direction. Japan, you have a lot of guys that are very good at the four-seam or splitter. Yeah. And they have an okay slider, or they have a you know, four-seam and slider and an okay splitter. Yeah. It seems to be like the three kind of good combinations, and, you know, it's... They do have pitchers that have all three that are really good. Yeah. And those are obviously the ones that have a lot of success over there. Yeah. But they also have guys that are maybe just good at one or just two maybe. And over here you have guys that are really good at making the ball rise, go down right. east to west. So um, there's more of that that he has to uh, prepare for. But I think he's capable of doing yeah, it. Yeah, uh, would you, would you face him like he's... Would, he seems like a tough out, no matter. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, so all right, man. Like, well, I appreciate it. No this, problem. This man. is fun. Yeah, anytime. Man. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field, and then I uh, 
I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it.